Welcome back to Whitgift Conversations, the podcast where we talk to staff and pupils about topics that are relevant to you. Now, this is a great episode for anyone who's interested in finding out more about IB. That's the International Baccalaureate. Edmund White is the director of IB and I get to ask him what the differences are between A-levels and the IB. We find out what's actually involved in IB and we talk about choices and whether the IB choice is a risky one or not. That's all coming up in this episode and I know you're going to love it. So come with me now as we dive into this conversation about IB. It's Edmund White. Ed, welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, it was great to have you here. It's great to talk to you about IB, just to just to find out more about it, really, especially for uh, for parents who might be listening to this, not knowing completely what IB is all about. So I'll be dying to find out more about uh, how it all works and, and what's actually within IB, just to unpack that a little bit. Um, but first of all, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you end up being director of IB at Whitgift? I actually started off as a lawyer. Uh, I was a lawyer for about five or six years, including the training. And then I thought that there must be more to life than than contracts. So I, I became a teacher. I, I was not aware at all of the IB. We didn't offer it in my school. We didn't do anything like that. So as I started teaching, I was teaching both IB and A-level, and I was really enjoying the IB teaching, really enjoying the syllabus. And I sort of gradually became sucked into it that way. Uh, and then a couple of years later, I've somehow slightly found myself as directing the whole thing. So it, it's, it came from the love of the IB first and the wish that I had had the chance to study it. I love that, you know, because, you know, immediately I'm picking up on the fact that you're you're saying that IB is, is a good thing, not because you're doing it, but instead it's the other way around. You're doing it because you know that IB is a good thing. So you mentioned about where you went to school, you didn't have IB. I mean, without going into too much detail about which school that was, but what part of the country did you grow up in? You know, what's your what's your background really in your own education? I was in Surrey. We lived, sort of lived there for most of our life, although we moved around quite a bit. I was in state school and then I was lucky enough to essentially be given a scholarship to private school. I don't really know to this day quite exactly what I did, um, but having sort of got there, it was amazing. The facilities were superb. I was because I think I was coming in with a slightly outside eye, I was sort of blown away by how incredible it all was. And then, yeah, and then as I said, I, I did A-levels because they were the default and that was what the school offered and I, it wouldn't have even occurred to me that there was another option available. Now, of course, at Whitgift, you've got the benefit of having IB and A-levels, so you've got that beautiful element of choice in there. But do you think that a lot of parents might persuade their children to do A-levels simply because that's almost seen as the default and quite often parents themselves did A-levels, therefore that's in that's quote normal, quote unquote, the, the normal thing to do, whereas actually that there, there, there's this other thing called IB and actually it's not just a, a newfangled thing, but actually something much more substantial. Do you think that because parents often did that themselves, they feel that that's the automatic route for their children? I think that's absolutely spot on, yeah. Quite reasonably we are conservative when it comes to our children's own education we're going to stick with what we sort of believe to be tried and trusted and, and less risky and it's natural that the things that you're more aware of yourself and you know more about are considered to be less risky and so I think that probably we do end up in this situation where it's almost not really a consideration it's barely entered the heads of of, of some some of our parents and some of our parents will think about it but they just won't feel like they know enough about it to make that kind of commitment and it's funny actually because i i've got some friends in europe and when i talk to them about risk in education they think 
what we do here is incredibly risky. They they say, how, how on earth can you have three subjects that you do and only three and you don't, you don't do anything else to past 16? What happens if you change your career? What, how, how on earth can you manage this? And so the, the, the kind of perception of risk, I think really depends on, on where you're sitting. I think that there are quite a few reasons why the IB is, is actually less risky, but which I'm, I'm happy to talk about. But I, I think you're absolutely right that that is why parents probably default to A-level in the first instance. So I love that. Let, let's unpack that a little bit more then. Uh, less about the risk side of things, but just understanding a bit more about what IB is all about. You sort of hinted at it there. So if I'm right in saying then that A-levels is more like three or four subjects and IB is, is a wider range of subjects and therefore, in your own words, less risky. But tell us a little bit more then about what IB looks like. If there's someone listening to this right now, they know what A-levels look like. They don't actually know what IB looks like in itself. Yeah. No, fair enough. You do six subjects. Three of them are at what we call high level and three of them are what we call standard level. So higher level is more in-depth. You'll spend more time studying it. You'll have more work. Standard level, I don't necessarily want this for university, but it's great to keep my hand in. So standard level is a, a sort of pitched above GCSE, but but below sort of A-level and, and high level is more equivalent difficulty-wise and skill-wise with A-level. You have to study some, certain things on the IB. So maths is a prescribed subject. A science of some form is a prescribed subject. A language is a prescribed subject. And your language, which is generally English for the boys at Whitgift, is a prescribed subject. And then you can choose any humanities. And then you have group six, which can be a visual or theatre or drama-based subject, or it could be another science or another humanities. So a typical boy at Whitgift might do maths at standard level and English at high level, and then they might do philosophy, they might choose history, and they might choose French, these sorts of things, and that all coalesces together into one diploma. The subjects kind of talk to each other, so the idea is that you are studying something holistic, you're you're not studying these subjects just in parallel, but you're also thinking about how they interact with each other as well. And then on top of that, you do something called the core. Uh, so the core is, is is unique to the IBA. It's a coursework only element. You'll do something called theory of knowledge. This is the thing that knits together those subjects because theory of knowledge asks us how we know what we know. It's looking at things that are quite prevalent now. So fake news, filter bubbles, the relationship between power and knowledge, whether or not some knowledge is restricted to certain cultures, whether or not some knowledge is restricted to certain languages. So it looks at all these elements. And of course, this is inviting students to think about how they learn things in science and how they learn things in maths and thinking, is this actually the same? You also do the extended essay, which is a 4,000 word essay on a subject of your choice. That's a sort of a uni style essay, if you like. Anecdotally, quite a lot of IB students who I'm still in touch with, tell me that that was really useful when they went to university. Firstly, because they had an essay already done. And secondly, because they'd actually practiced the skills. And finally, you do something called creativity, activity and service, which is essentially what every boy at a school like Whitgift is already doing. It's just that you get credit for it. So then that all adds up to uh, that, that all adds up to points. So you get seven points for each subject, which is 42. And then you get three points for the core, which adds up to 45. I see. OK. And then how do universities view those points compared to A-level points and, and the comparison or the differences between the two? Are they viewed in, in a lesser way or a greater way or is it just the same? So unis will, will tell you that they view them exactly the same way. And uh, for the most part, I think 
that's that's fair and true. What I think unis quite like is that they can be a little bit more targeted with an IB offer. So you, you might have, your offer might be something like 36 points, but also please can you get a six in maths? If for example, you want to study a maths-based subject, whereas the A-level equivalent might be sort of A star AA or whatever that is. With that said, we do know, or, or the research appears to indicate that IB students are significantly more likely to be given offers at top 20 universities, up to three times in one of the studies. So that implies, Gosh. yeah, exactly. That implies that there is maybe something else going on beyond a simple equivalent comparison. So it really does strike me then that this is it's like you're keeping doors open for a longer period of time, because I imagine that some 15, 16 year olds at school will be inadvertently closing certain doors if they choose not to do certain subjects, because then it prevents them later in life from doing that thing at university. And then that could limit their options later on in life. Whereas actually with IB, you're keeping those doors open for longer, which gives children a longer period of time to work out what they might want to do. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And again, that, that sort of comes back to that, that risk point that we were talking about earlier, that it's actually quite risky in some ways to narrow your options so much. You'll have probably seen recently assuming they stay in power, which is probably quite unlikely. But Rishi Sunak wants to introduce a, a completely revamped A-level, which I think was originally being called the English Baccalaureate, which is specifically aimed at widening the parameters. Um, in fact, originally, I think I'm right in saying that originally when A-levels were introduced, their explicit purpose was to widen the scope of education because people were getting 16 and only studying one subject beyond that point. Gosh, right. Okay, so it's interesting that that was the original route, but this is more about taking that a stage further in that case and kind of, in in, in my opinion, I'm presuming yours as well, taking it in the right direction to, to keep those options open in that case. Yeah, exactly. The, these new proposals are really about bringing us, the UK, in line with basically everybody else. It's quite rare to see in Europe or America or somewhere like that. It's quite rare to have a higher education programme that is as narrow as ours. So tell me then about the three higher and the three standard that you mentioned. To what extent uh, are you and other staff at Whitgift able to help students that are thinking, you know, okay, which ones should I be choosing for the higher and which ones should be the standard? That's a good question. Yeah. So we're, we're guided, well, first and foremost, by the student and their interests. That's that's top priority. They A lot of them do come to IB not quite knowing. And it's perfectly reasonable to start on four higher levels and then drop one a bit later on if you once you've had a chance to think about your options more. I wouldn't recommend starting on more than four. That would be quite a lot of work. Um, but you can certainly start on four. You can also switch from standard to high level, certainly probably for the first term, second term potentially as well. Beyond that, it starts to get more, more difficult. In terms of guidance, I think it usually usually we have a good idea of a boy's interests and they obviously have like some idea of their interests we can then help them knit things together so for example a boy who's interested in economics whether they're doing a level or ib needs to have maths on there and they need to have further maths on there or higher level maths on there if they're going to be studying economics at university so we can help them knit those 
decisions together as well. And then sometimes people say that you should play to your strengths and avoid your weaknesses. What would you say to people who who say those kinds of things? Yeah, so this is probably one of the most one of the biggest pieces of pushback that I get when I talk to people about the IB is, oh, I just think I'm rubbish at maths or whatever it is. I can understand that as well because it plays into that idea that we want to be conservative about our children's education quite rightly and we might be worried that if they do something that they're not so good at that that will hurt them that is a perfectly reasonable way to feel i think that there are a few things to say though philosophically i think that avoiding weakness is not why you should be sending somebody to a school like Whitgift. that you should be embracing everything including the things that you don't feel that you're good at i think that the other thing that's worth saying is that particularly in schools like Whitgift. When boys think that they're weak at something, they might be in the bottom half of their cohort, but that cohort is an unbelievably, exceptionally strong cohort. So mm. nobody here is, quote, bad at maths or English or whatever the case may be. Everybody is capable of getting a grade seven, the very top grade in any IB subject. I think the other thing as well is, I don't know, we, we change a lot and that sounds trite, but it's true. We develop skills as we go and that should continue and does continue through our lives. These students are going to have sort of 10 careers in their lifetime, probably some of which haven't been invented yet. Those skills, even if they don't feel like they're their top skills, are so important to hone and develop and just keep in the mix. And if you're doing something at standard level, then you know that you're not... You're not going to, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. You're not going to be completely reliant on your ability at that subject. But at the same time, you are keeping those skills sharp and honed for when you move on to your future, if that makes sense. Uh, it makes perfect sense, Ed. It really does. Um, but I'm just putting myself in the shoes of a parent who might be listening to this right now. Maybe they've got a, a boy at Whitgift who's aged 14, 15, thinking about the next few years, what's going to be happening there. Maybe if, if I'm that parent, I'm thinking, right, well, I did A-levels. I understand what Ed's saying. I see some of these benefits. But nevertheless, I just think that A-levels is the right thing because, I don't know, I did that. So just to unpack that a little bit more, how could I, as that parent, kind of change my own mindset? Because let's face it, as as we all get older, and I'm a guy in my 40s uh, with, with teenage children myself, how can we sort of undo some of that unintentional learning that we've acquired just from the people that we've been brought up as that's a very good question <laughs> quite a philosophical question <laughs> i um i suppose i suppose there are there are there are two ways of looking at this the philosophical principled way and then there's the coldly pragmatic way and i think both are important and I actually don't, when I say coldly pragmatic, that might imply a certain denigration on my part, but it isn't meant to. Prag pragmatism is good and valuable. On the principled side of things, we know, I think, in our hearts that a broader education is, is generally a good thing. We know that at 15, 16, many of our students, many of, the, many of our boys are not necessarily capable of knowing exactly what they're going to do. And neither are we. We don't know what's going to happen. It is sensible to have a wide variety of skills. It is sensible to have a holistic education that sees each strand of education as being part of a greater whole rather than just something that you do in isolation. 
and we know that the A-levels are an outlier and are changing or it is proposed that they will change precisely for that reason. So I think fundamentally at Wickgift, you know, we believe that that this develops boys into genuinely all-rounded, reflective, risk-taking, thoughtful, considerate human beings. And that is something that is intrinsically valuable. But there are also coldly pragmatic reasons to do the IB. And again, if I'm a parent, and I know this, I'm, I've got young kids, but already my ears start to prick up when someone says that. I've, I've mentioned before that, that IB boys are significantly more likely to be offered places at top universities than their matched A-level peers. That's what the research suggests. They're also significantly more likely to achieve a 2-1 or a 1st when they're at university. And they are significantly more likely to go on to further study, PhD, masters. For boys who want to study medicine, law, they're going to they're gonna need that. I think fundamentally, the, the mindset should be that these two years are an investment, but they're a long-term investment. They're, they're actually a literal financial investment for many of the, for the parents at, at our school, but they're also something, a more philosophical investment. They're investment in your son's future. And for your son, they're an investment in his future. So the question is, when you're investing, you need to have the long term in mind as well as the short term. Once you start to think of it in this way, like what do I really want myself to be at the end of these two years? Then I think maybe that helps you rejig your thinking away from the kind of knee-jerk conservatism that it is so easy for us in a with the best intentions to fall into. It's really good to hear you talk about that. That really is. And I guess that one of the great things about all of this is that it's important to look at what the right thing is for for, for the boy at Whitgift at the moment or for for anyone else listening to this with children at other schools for, for, for their own child. Because I imagine that that for some people, IB is absolutely perfect. For other people, it may well be that actually, you know, they know exactly what they want to do and that A-levels is the right route to take for them. But it's having the ability to make an informed decision by understanding what what's actually contained within IB instead of writing something off just because you don't fully understand it. So it's, it's been great hearing all about this. H how do you see that role or, or the IB itself changing at Whitgift in the future then? Well, I, I, so I don't think I'm betraying any state secrets when I say that we believe that our school vision aligns very much with the IB. Um, and so our the, the direction of travel of the school, I think, is towards the IB. I think that what we'd like to see is a sustainable long-term growth whilst we broaden the subjects that we're able to offer. For practical reasons, we're not always able to offer every subject, as you can imagine. But there are a few that I would love to be able to offer, sports science, design technology, these sorts of things. And I think we are looking at the moment at reviewing the way in which we teach the lower school. And that's going to be brought... That the things that we want to do are sort of coincidentally also more in line with the IB ethos. We want more of a global perspective. We want them to see work as sort of a series of skills to be acquired rather than just sort of some facts to cram. And we want people to see, we want the boys to see their education as, as something more holistic. Well, all of those are perfectly in line with the IB ethos. So I'm really optimistic about the way that the future goes. Hopefully I'll be right. I'm sure that you will be. I'm sure that you will be. Ed, one final question. You mentioned at the start of this recording that you, you, you spent a few years doing law. Now that you're in this role, do you miss law at all? That's a great question. <laughs> I miss foreign travel uh, that was paid for 
and being put up in really nice hotels mm-hmm. and <laughs> nice little uh, perk <laughs> flying and flying a higher class than I could do now <laughs> and I miss uh <laughs> having lots of disposable income but I don't miss any of the actual day-to-day work uh teaching is teaching is great and every day somebody says something that I have not thought of before and for someone like me I don't think I can ask for anything more interesting or better than that I don't regret my decision for even a second and I guess that the important thing is that later in life as we look back on our careers then you'll know that you're that that you made the right choice okay maybe not flying in first class flying in economy but nevertheless the, the the career that you've experienced and enjoyed is more I imagine more meaningful it sounds like and making a more of a difference to, to 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 people yeah which by the way is not to knock law it's a great career um and I had a lot of fun but I feel a lot more again without wanting to sound a little without wanting to sound trite I feel, I feel much more fulfilled in this job I think that's a great place to end this podcast recording Ed I really appreciate you being here especially on a busy Thursday morning so thank you for being here thank you for giving us your time and telling us what unpacking the world of IB for us today thank you well thank you very much as well so that was Ed White talking all about IB at Whitgift super good to hear from him and I hope you got as much value from this episode as I did Ed a big thank you to you for coming on to this episode of the podcast Now, our next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.